0: Coming up next on Contemplate.
1: Listen, the godly example of love and grace and truth and a lack of hypocrisy and walking the right way is a supernatural testimony. It's a supernatural testimony of the truth of the gospel because people know it doesn't come from our normal human power to live like that.
0: Ever said one thing but done another? Told someone it was wrong to do something and then done it yourself? How we walk our talk really makes a difference. Here's Pastor David.
1: Turn to First Thessalonians chapter 2. We got through the first part of verse 7. Last time we're actually going to start in the second half of verse 7, which I think starts a new idea. And we'll read uh, verse 7. And eight first, or 7, second half and 8 it says, Just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives, because you had become dear to us. Now, underline, if you've got your Bible, the word cherishes, or it might say cared for, or it might say cherisheth, if you have the old uh, King James Version. Uh, underline that word. The word there is the Greek word thalpo. It's actually only used twice in the New Testament. Um, and, and, it, and it has to do with this kind of cherishing, this kind of, this kind of care that somebody would have. And Ephesians 529 is the other place where it's used. It says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does at church. So first we think about the word in terms of how we care about our own flesh. And trust me, we care about our own flesh. We care about our own bodies. We want them in as much comfort as possible, right? We spend big money on furniture and, and beds and comfortable clothes and comfortable things that make us feel good, we, we want to be comfortable, right? We cherish our body. We don't hate our bodies. This is, no one ever hated their body. We're not. When we go through something difficult, we may be even willing to go through something difficult, whether that's a workout or we go through something for someone, but we're never thinking, I'm so glad this hurts so much because I hate my body and it deserves to feel this way. That's never the way we think about it. We think, this, this really hurts, and I don't like that because I love my body. I cherish my own flesh. I want it to feel good, right? We like ourselves. We cherish ourselves, and Paul takes it like, a step further here, right? More than just our own bodies, he he uses this illustration of a mother nursing her own children. Now, for those of you who have nursed your own children, you understand just the feeling of compassion, right? And, and the bond that exists between you and your child in, in those moments of closeness, the care, the affection, the protection. That you feel, right, the love for your child. And, and Paul is saying that the people in the Thessalonian church had become so dear to them that that's how they thought of them. That they weren't just giving them the gospel, but their whole lives as a mother would do for a child. They loved them that much. They longed for them. They longed for them with an affection. Imagine Missing you know, your, your, your spouse, your kids, uh, whoever it is that you really love to be around, and they're gone for a month, three months, six months. And you know that feeling of just longing for those, that person, longing for, for, for their presence in your life. That's how Paul feels. Paul and Silas and Timothy, that's how they feel towards Thessalonians. That's how much they love them because they literally were like, like figuratively. They weren't literally. They, they were figuratively like a child who they were nursing their own child. how a mother loves it. Now, that's nothing. When we're talking about this this distinction he's making between him and the other teachers, that's nothing like what these other teachers were like. None of them were like that. None of them were loving the people like their own child that they were nursing. They were all looking to get something. They want money, they want fame, they want power, they want something else. Paul's saying, listen, we love you like you were our own child, not for what you could give to us. We just plain love you. It's not about you. It's not about what you can do. We just love you. And this is the way that we should see all believers. We should, we should love them like this. And we could continue the illustration of, of nursing a child. And, and, and there's an aspect, I think, for, for those of us who are uh, in the role of ministry where we feel somewhat like the church and the, and, and the people that we love in the church are, are dear to us like a child that's nursing. We feel that way, and we ought to feel that way because we are called to love in that kind of a way. We're called to love in that kind of way and show that we're not after the kind of rewards that other teachers and and that other people look for from people. We're not looking to get something. We're looking to people because they're an end in themselves, because they're valuable in themselves, and because we love them for themselves. Now, it's not true to say that we don't get anything from our own children, right? I mean, obviously, when you have a child... It's pooping, it's peeing, it's doing all the stuff. They smell bad, they're loud. It's a, it's a mess, right? And, and you're, everything is something it needs from you. It's not giving you anything, right? It's not giving you anything. It's, it's needing lots of stuff, and yet somehow there is still something we get from our children. That's joy. Joy right? We get joy from our children. We, we have joy in relationship with them. We have joy in seeing them grow. We have joy in seeing their maturity and wisdom as they grow up. We have joy just in their company. In Proverbs, it says this. In Proverbs uh, chapter 23, verse 22 through 25, it says, Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth, and do not sell it. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. And he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her who bore you rejoice. It is a joy to have children. We're not looking to receive anything from them, but to give to them out of a true strong affection because of the joy that exists in that relationship. And that's what Paul is saying to these brothers and sisters in Christ. He's saying, we love you. It's the real thing. We have the love of Christ that's coming through us to you, right? Let's look at the next next verse here, uh, verse 9. It says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. This is manual labor. It's part of what he's talking about here. Manual labor, hard work. Paul was a tent maker. Right, He was a tent maker. He had learned the trade. And so when he was in Thessalonica, he didn't want the church to have any issues about money or concerns about money that might get in the way of the gospel. So he just worked really hard all the time, super hard, with his hands, as well as teaching, right, so that he wouldn't be any kind of a burden to them, so they wouldn't have that kind of excuse. Paul didn't have any kind of, any problem with the churches supporting the pastors, the teachers, the apostles, and so on. In fact, he says that they should do that. But in this case, in Thessalonica, was one of the times where he chose to work with his own hands so that they would not need anything from him, you know, so they would understand even more what he's saying here. I didn't ask you for anything. In fact, I worked my tail off to make sure that you had that you didn't ever have to look at us and wonder if we wanted something from you. I worked day and night. I worked day and night. He poured himself out in labor. He doesn't just say labor, it says toil. You know the difference, right? There's work, there's I gotta go to work, and it's okay, I'm enjoying my job today. And then there's toil. That's the hard stuff. That's the stuff that comes from the fall. Work can be glorious, but it can also be toilsome. He's saying, I'm doing both. I'm, I'm laboring and I'm toiling. Night and day, all the time. All the time. He did not live differently on Sunday or when he was with the church than he did when he was at work or when he was at play or when he was doing anything else. He didn't play around. He didn't play around. He was living in such a way that he didn't have to be ashamed when he came to church about the way he had lived during the week. And during the week, the way he lived, he lived so that he would not, he lived unashamed of the gospel. Unashamed of the gospel at at work and at play, so that when he was with the church, he was unashamed of his behavior when he was with them. This is something that's important. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. Now, when I was younger, I definitely pigeonholed my life into church David, there was work David, there was school David. There was even interacting with church It was split up between church David around older people and church David around younger people. There were a lot of Davids, a lot to keep straight. In every case, I was trying to make sure I acted in a way with people that I would have the most success possible, right? I was fake. I was fake. Now, we're going to come back to that in a minute. We gonna come back to that. Let's read the next verse. It says in verse 10, you our witnesses and God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves this is about how they acted now we should not miss the connection here. This is very important. Don't miss the connection between the full fulfillment that he's talking about of living like Jesus Christ and loving like Jesus Christ that he's talking about up to this point. We did this. We did that. We love you this way. We live this way. We're, we're, we're living the right way. And the devout, blameless, and just behavior. Those things are connected. Okay? One equals the other. A full commitment in the way that you live equals behavior that is just and devout and blameless. Paul is saying to these people, take a look at us. You don't have to just go by what we say. There's all these people coming into town and they're blah, blah, blah. They got it. It's coming out of their mouth the way most people see lawyers, right? They do a lot of this, a lot of this. You wonder if they get paid by the word. Yes, sometimes. <laughs> Depends on how long it takes to say that word. They do a lot of that, right, and, and, and generally are looked down on. The same thing with the philosophers and the religious folks back in those days. They could, they could multiply words. They could multiply words, but where's the behavior? And Paul's saying, look, we weren't just talking. We were walking. Look at us. Watch what we do. Watch what we do if you want to be convinced that what we're saying is true. Hey, listen, I'm a talker and not a walker sometimes. I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm a talker and not a walker. Tiffany, my wife, my kids, unfortunately, my children could testify to that. There are times, sometimes I just get, my talk gets ahead of my walk, and I'll institute some family system that we're going to do, right? And it's like, all right, we're never going to eat anything on these couches in the living room again. Right? That's... How it's going to be. Big talk, right? The next day, I'm in there eating Doritos, crumbs. (laughs) All the kids are like, Dad, you said we're never supposed to eat in here again. I'm like, well, not never. I mean. (laughs) But when I was making that rule, I was talking big. But when it came time to walking, it wasn't there. And that's the least of my talking walking problems. I just wanted to use an example that didn't embarrass me too much. Uh, Paul is saying here that when it comes to the gospel message, that walking and talking need to match each other, and that they do. That their love for them, that their love for them was real, and you could see it in their behavior and their lifestyle. The love was real. The behavior and the lifestyle matched. It was not just talk, right? You can watch and see. The real deal, the ki- that kind of authenticity where, authenticity, where you can say, you can look at me. I, I'm open to it. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but you can see that I'm walking with a heart that is trying to do what's right. And you open that up and you give that kind of authenticity. Every believer should be that way. Some of you may be like, ooh, I don't know about that. Every believer should be that way. But especially teachers. Especially those in leadership. Especially teachers. Because you cannot be a hypocrite and have people trust you. Okay? Hear this. You cannot be a hypocrite and have people trust you. They just will not trust you. Paul knows this, and that's why he's spending so much time reminding these Thessalonian believers about his behavior while he was among them. You can't point to anything that I was doing that would take away what I'm saying about how much I love you, what I'm saying about the gospel, what I'm saying about what is true. You test me. You look at it, right? Let's look at the next verse, verse 11. As you know how we exhorted and comforted And charged every one of you as the father does his own children. Now we've switched illustrations from a nursing mother to a teaching father. In both of these cases, highlighting different forms of love, both incredibly important, both different forms of love that the Thessalonian people would have understood. Back in the ancient world, uh, it was considered one of the duties of the father to admonish, teach, exhort, command, and so on his children. So they would have understood that. As, as a role that was, that was due to the father, right? And there's all kinds of this family language that's being used here in Thessalonians. We got mother, father, their sisters, their brothers. We see all this family language in scripture. Why is that? Well, the church is a family, right? We are God's children. What's the reason for all that? Listen, we're supposed to take the natural love that we have Okay, when you have a child, there's a natural love. There just, there just normally is a natural love that's there. Okay? When you get married, when you, when you have your brother or your sister, your mom or your dad, unless there's, unless there's extreme dysfunction, which often there is, there's a natural love that just flows that you just have for your family. And what, and what God says, we're using all those kinds of family words for who we are as the church, which means this, you're supposed to take that kind of natural love that you have, that strong, passionate, just loving, just, just wanting to be with other people's love, and you're supposed to extend that out to your brothers and sisters in Christ. The same love that you would have for your own sister should be the same love that you have for your sister in Christ. We use this family language because it's supposed to mean something. The illustration is supposed to say, it's like that. That love that you have for your family, that's the love that you have for your church. And it goes the whole way. You have your family, you know, you're, we got Christmas dinner coming up, you know who you're like, I'm going to have to listen to this person. You know, they're going to want to talk about such and such. I'm gonna, so we have issues with our own family, and, and no doubt you come to church every once in a while like, oh, great, David's probably going to go over 10 minutes, you know, or whatever. Never happened, because there's no rule. I've never told you what it's going to be. But right, like, you've got issues with your own family, but the love should be the same. And it's not an easy thing to do in our own strength. But Paul is showing that this is the way that he sees and interacts with the people in Thessalonica. And Paul tells them why he treated them like a nursing mother. Why he exhorted and comforted and commanded them like a loving father. That's what he says in verse 12. Kind of sort of the end of the argument that he's making here. That you would walk... Worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That you would walk worthy of God. Why did he do all these things? Why was it all there? That you would walk. Walk. What does that mean? Earlier I talked about how when I was younger I was fake, right? I I talked one way to one group of people. I talked another way to another group of people. And I didn't walk in a way that honored anybody. When you fully commit to Christ and walk in that way and you don't deviate from it, certain things happen. Certain things happen that that he's talking about here that happened with the Thessalonians. And when you do not walk, listen, this is important too, when you do not walk in the way that you ought to as a fully devoted Christ follower, certain things happen. It's just spiritual physics just spiritual physics. If you walk the right way and you're staying pure and you're doing the things you need to do and you're loving and you're morally righteous and you're whatever, certain things happen. And if you walk in such a way that you're hypocritical, that you're not doing the things you need to do, that you talk out of both sides of your mouth, that you're like I was with church David and school David and whatever David, then other things happen that aren't as good. That aren't as good. So what happens when you walk tall and strong in the Lord In love for others and affection for others, living a morally pure life. What happens? Well, let's see what happened in Thessalonica when they did it. Verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. What happened? What happened when they lived the right way, when they were consistent night and day, loving, walking, being pure, doing the things they are supposed to do? Then when they spoke, when they spoke, the people received the word of God and welcomed it, not as the kind of words that everyone else was speaking, which is the point they're making, but as the truth from God. That's what it did. When they received the word of God that they heard from Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they welcomed it as a truth from God. Why? Because a godly example, listen, the godly example of love and grace and truth and a lack of hypocrisy and walking the right way is a supernatural testimony. It's a supernatural testimony of the truth of the gospel. Because people know it doesn't come from our normal human power to live like that. If you truly love people and truly live it out in sincere affection for others and you pour yourself out for them and you live morally, purely, without hypocrisy, then people know something is up. That there's something about the gospel message That's true. And what it does is that behavior, the way you walk, it's like tilling the ground of the hearts of other people. It's working into the soul of other people, making that heart ready so that when you plant the seed, it can actually land. Now, of course, hypocrisy will do the opposite. Make that heart harder and harder for the next person who's trying to walk purely. Right? It's that simple. Look, be real if you want people to believe that God is real. Be real if you want people to believe that God is real. Simple, right? Be real. The opposite is also true. Be fake if you want people to question whether God is real. Go out there and say you're a Christian and then be fake if what you want is for everybody who's around you and knows you to wonder whether God is real at all. Because you're saying that you're part of that, but you're not living it out. Right? Which one are you? Which one are you? Are you the people who do the multiple people, multiple personalities thing? Or are you living the, the way that's real? Are you a different person at church or at work or at school? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Or do you come here ashamed of the you that was at church or work at school this week? are you walking steadfastly and tall and morally pure and in love and affection for others so that people when they hear from you the gospel they believe that it's true which one are you
0: that one kind of hits us right between the eyes doesn't it which one are you which one am i important stuff to think about and if you have any questions about all this i hope you'll call us at 360 885 9,000. Or better yet, come see us at Axe Church this Sunday morning. Get easy directions anytime at axchurchnw.org. Thanks for listening. Be sure and check out part two for much more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.